Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Live from our WSBT Radio studios in downtown South Bend. Let's go! Come on! Ah! Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, don't blink. A lot of major intestinal fortitude going on here. On your home for Notre Dame football. Knocked down by Wooden. The game is over. The Irish has upset Florida State. Notre Dame is number one. And Notre Dame basketball. Number one ranked UCLA Bruins have been upset by the Irish of Notre Dame. Good! Enrique Ogunbowale wins the national championship for Notre Dame. Plus fighting Irish hockey. They score! Jake Evans scores! Notre Dame. 3.7 seconds away from a spot in the national championship game. The NFL and Major League Baseball. Oh my gracious, how about that? Sports Radio 960 WSBT, WSBTRadio.com, the free WSBT radio app. Big time budgets. Now here's your host, seven-time Associated Press Broadcasting Award winner. Darren Pritchett. So you're telling me there's a chance not only do the Irish get Mike Denbrock to be offensive coordinator, I see reports of an extension for defensive coordinator Al Golden. I know next year's an election year, but... Denbrock Golden 2024. I am all in on that combination. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. My name is Darren Pritchett. I know a lot of vacation time the last couple of weeks, including last week. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas Day yesterday. Happy holidays. A few days left in 2023. One more Irish football game in. So we change that calendar to 2024. Yeah, the teams look a whole lot different from the Irish and Beaver teams that last took the field. But we're going to play some ball down in El Paso Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock. It's the Sun Bowl. The Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. They're great, I guess. The Irish and the Beavers squaring off. In El Paso, Texas, sounds like it's going to be a very nice day. Temperatures in the upper 50s with some sunshine. You might recall the last time the Irish were in the Sun Bowl taking on Miami of Florida. It was cold. It was frigid. There was ice on the field, and we told the story on game day sports speed how they didn't have shovels or anything to get ice off anything down in El Paso, of course. Why would they need that? But They were very creative and got some desks, those plastic desks that the Bills Mafia break in their before-game rituals up there in Orchard Park. Well, they used those to scrape the ice off the field. It worked. We got the game in. 
Irish had a big lead, held on to beat Miami. Hurricanes were not very interested in the cold weather that day down in El Paso. But it sounds like it's going to be a very nice day for football with Oregon State and Notre Dame. And the Irish got to beat Oregon State. The Beavers are 2-0 and against the Irish all-time. Both of those victories in bowl games, 2001 and 2004. Well, since we were off last week, a couple of things did happen, including Troy hiring Jared Parker to be their head coach, which opened up the offensive coordinator room at Notre Dame, and by golly, Marcus Freeman got a fastball down the middle, and he crushed it over the fence by bringing in a two-time Notre Dame coach, now back for a third go-around Mike Denbrock, and I could not be more excited about this development. We'll talk about that storyline in just a couple of moments. Also coming up, we got to check out the depth charts for this Notre Dame football team. Again, looks a whole lot different from the team that went out to Stanford and ran over the Cardinal in Palo Alto, including Audric Estime going for over 200 yards. Could have had maybe 300 in that game, honestly. But he's not going to play. He's opted out, which is the right decision for him. So I tell you what, we got a cast of characters in that running back room. We know pretty well from early in the year when it was a five-man rotation. So there won't be any surprises with the guy you see on the field carrying the football for the fighting hours. So we'll take a look at the Irish offensive depth chart later on this hour. We'll take a look at the defense in the 6 o'clock hour. Also, we've got our Twitter question of the day. Our last show results, which were very interesting. And today's question is up already. If you would like to check it out and vote on it, our sports beat, insideindsports.com, Twitter question of the day, which you can find on my Twitter account or X account at 960 Sports Beat. Today's question is this with the Irish offensive coordinator position shifting from Jared Parker to Mike Denbrock. Your offensive expectations for 2024, are they one of these four? The offense will be better, the same, not as good, or you're in that wait-and-see category. It's more of a Mike Denbrock, Riley Leonard, I would say, combination, not just Parker for Denbrock. It's, I guess you could call it Parker Hartman traded in for Denbrock and Leonard with some other wide receiver changes as well. So you can vote on that right now. And the last time I checked, we had close to 600 votes, and I believe one person had voted for the offense not being as good this year as last year. So as you can see, expectations are absolutely through the roof with Denbrock replacing Parker as Notre Dame's offensive coordinator. We will wrap up the 6 o'clock hour with our sports wagering segment. We going to Sizzler. Nothing sizzly about these picks. We have just some bowl games to pick. I mean, we had to go down to do Texas State, Rice, Virginia Tech, Tulane, Kansas, UNLV. We're kind of at that stage of the bowl season. Some better matchups are coming up. I was shocked to see Northwestern beat Utah 14-7 in their bowl matchup. What a story that is for Northwestern. Pat Fitzgerald gets removed as head coach due to some allegations within the program. They bring on a new coach, and they have a tremendous season. A one-win team last year. What a tremendous turnaround 
in Evanston for the Wildcats. All right, 5.13 is our time. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back, let's dig into a very, very interesting storyline as the Irish upgrade their offensive coordinator position, and it probably doesn't happen unless our friends down in Troy pick their new head coach from the Irish coaching staff. That and more coming up as we welcome you back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Irish and Friday's Sun Bowl, Notre Dame and Oregon State, Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Ball caught, touchdown! What a catch on the three-yard line by Jaden Thomas. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Caught on the one-yard line and into the end zone. Tobias Merriweather, first catch of his Notre Dame career, goes for a touchdown from 41 yards out. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Setting up Estenay over the middle, 25-20. He'll score. 10-5. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Twenty minutes after five o'clock, Budweiser's weekday sports beat live on this Tuesday, December the 26th of 2023 my name is Darren Pritchett again hope you had a terrific holiday now we're back in football mode at least college football mode what a wacky NFL week and a lot of upsets some crazy games the Ravens putting it to the 49ers last night among the very interesting storylines in week 16 but we're here to talk college football more specifically Notre Dame football my good friend Eric Hansen, the publisher and editor at InsideIndieSports.com, part of the Rivals Network. He's going to join me tomorrow and Thursday in the 5 o'clock hour to talk Notre Dame football. Eric broke the news that Mike Denbrock was coming back to South Bend to be Notre Dame's offensive coordinator. What a wacky couple of days. Marcus Freeman had made the decision after saying the staff was going to Remained the same. Then a couple of days later, Chancey Stuckey, actually the next day, Chancey Stuckey was let go as wide receiver coach. Jared Parker was going to stay as offensive coordinator. Great start to the year against some weaker defenses. And then when you got to the meat and potato part of the schedule, the offense stalled and were unable to make the adjustments necessary in order to get the job done. They averaged 47 points per game against the weak opponents, excuse me, and against the better opponents, only 19 points per game. Marcus Freeman decided to stick with Jared Parker as his offensive coordinator, despite the struggles against teams like Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, Clemson. Jared Parker was his guy. That was until the Troy Trojans got interested in Jared Parker. And Troy elected to hire Jared Parker as their new head football coach. Which, very interestingly enough, forced Marcus Freeman to go get a new offensive coordinator. Just imagine if Troy University was not interested in Jared Parker. Apparently, there was a connection between the two. 
Jared Parker would still be your offensive coordinator right now, and barring a change of heart, Parker would have been your guy during spring practice, calling the plays that opening game deep in the heart of Texas against Texas A&M. But because Troy fell in love with that smooth talk and drawl of Jared Parker, Marcus Freeman once again had the opportunity to hire an offensive coordinator. Back-to-back seasons, he had the opportunity. So, Troy, there could be some Irish fans in the near future donating some money to your university if this works out the way everybody hopes it works out with Jared Parker going to Troy, opening the door for Marcus Freeman to really swing for the fences. And I said the same thing last year after Tommy Reese left for Alabama that this was an unbelievable opportunity for Marcus to set the stage for the next year and maybe years to come by hitting a home run with his hire as offensive coordinator. Now, we've all been down this road. There were candidates, and there was a guy here watching a hockey game, and then all of a sudden he didn't come and he stayed put. And then the next thing you know, Marcus Freeman hires from within and tabs truly a first-time offensive coordinator. I know things happen at West Virginia, but this is the first time this was his job and he was going to call the plays, and there were good moments and there were frustrating moments. And who knows, folks? Maybe Jared Parker, after one year, learned some lessons during this offseason, refined his way of coaching his coaches, coaching his players, the way he called plays, the way he made adjustments, and he might have been a guy that was truly good enough to lead this team to the college football playoffs by putting together a highly efficient offense, not just against the have-nots, but against the really, really Good teams, like we saw in the schedule this year. Ohio State, Duke, Louisville, Clemson. Just didn't get the job done. I know a lot of fingers pointed toward the players, and I think it is fair to say everybody deserved a finger to be pointed their way, not just the offensive players. So Marcus had a chance to hit a home run last year, and maybe he would have had the Utah offensive coordinator ended up taking the job. Whatever happened, it happened. It seemed weird at the time. It still seems weird now. I don't think we real real will ever know really what happened in that spot. The fact was they got Jared Parker. And now a second chance to step to the plate and swing for the fences with an offensive coordinator. Marcus Freeman hit a grand slam. He's bringing back a guy that absolutely loves this place in Mike Denbrock. This will be his third go-around as a coach here at the University of Notre Dame. My colleague Eric Hansen, again, he'll be on the program tomorrow. He can talk more about this, but I remember the piece he did late in the Brian Kelly era as he put together a comparison of all the offensive coordinators of recent times at Notre Dame, and you know who came out the best? In that conversation, Mike Denbrock. Denbrock left after the 2016 season. He was not fired. 
moved on, went to Cincinnati and helped the Bearcats with Desmond Ritter and Alec Pierce get to the college football playoff before losing to Alabama. But Denbrock was even the offensive coordinator at Cincinnati the day the Bearcats came to town and beat the Fighting Irish. This is an elite offensive coordinator. I have always been a fan. If you've listened to this show, I've been on the Denbrock bandwagon for years. When Jared Parker was grabbed by Troy University, I immediately went to social media and just kept writing Mike Denbrock. Mike Denbrock, Mike Denbrock. And it was a fit for many reasons. Many reasons. His resume speaks for itself. What he did at LSU for Brian Kelly the last couple of years speaks for itself. But Marcus Freeman has been extremely consistent in his hires that he has a connection with those individuals. A lot of individuals he has worked with in the past, he has hired here at the University of Notre Dame. And this is another example of that. Marcus Freeman, when he was at Cincinnati as their defensive coordinator, guess who he worked with? Offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock, who also was on that Cincinnati staff, current Notre Dame quarterback coach Gino Gadouli, who also was on that Cincinnati staff, the brand-new wide receiver coach Mike Brown. And just for good measure on the other side of the coaching staff hallway, Mike Denbrock, also on the same staff at Cincinnati with current Notre Dame quarterback coach, and he is a great one, in Mike Mickens. So here you go again, that Freeman connection, and this time it really worked out well. Again, at the end of the day, maybe Jared Parker learned some lessons and would have become the type of offensive coordinator against all levels of competition that you all expect as Notre Dame football fans. We'll never know. But I know it's officially not a trade, but Notre Dame just traded Jared Parker for Mike Denbrock. And with what I just said standing, that maybe Parker learned some huge lessons and got a lot better. This is a proven, experienced offensive coordinator. The great thing about Mike Denbrock, he is an even better person than he is a football coach, and he is one heck of a football coach. I love the fact that he's been groomed as a coach on both sides of the football. Yes, he's got experience as a defensive coach, and I've always felt like that is something that comes in very handy as an offensive coordinator, understanding the thought processes on the other side of the football. So you got a great person, a great football coach, one heck of a recruiter. He absolutely loves this place. He loves Notre Dame. And I felt like as soon as Coach Parker left for Troy that Mike would be a candidate if Marcus Freeman allowed him to be a candidate. I think Mike would have came back here in a second had he been asked before. And it sounds like 
He's a Michigan native within a couple of hours of home. That was very enticing. We'll let Mike speak for himself when he has that first press conference coming up as we wait for the official announcement. So that was something that was highly attractive to Coach Denbrock, but also loves this place, his third go-around at the University of Notre Dame. And as I mentioned a moment ago, the most productive offensive coordinator that Brian Kelly had at Notre Dame, and that includes when Brian Kelly was the offensive coordinator when he started out his tenure as head coach of the Fighting Irish. So this is a very exciting time. And again, if you get Al Golden signed up long-term, if you go to the post next year with Mike Denbrock as your offensive coordinator, and Al Golden, as your defensive coordinator, you feel like you have a fighter's chance not just to get into the playoff, but to make a move. Marcus Freeman and his staff have been recruiting exceptionally well. They have gone beyond what Brian Kelly did here, and we kind of expected that. And LSU fans, I think, they grumble a lot when they look at the recruiting rankings and This Brian Kelly guy, he just, he doesn't recruit. Kind of a closer. That's who he was. He was a closer, not heavily involved in the process throughout, which is different from Marcus Freeman, who is all in from the get-go, builds great relationships with all the players. And it pays dividends. Recruiting is great. I think the development of players throughout this football team is pretty doggone good. So when you're recruiting well, you can develop You've got two veteran experienced coordinators, and you've got a schedule. I want to be careful here by not jumping the gun because the transfer portal is still open. (laughs) There could be people coming and going on Notre Dame and other teams on the schedule, but it is a very manageable schedule on paper as of right now. In a month, we might look at the schedule with some additions to various teams and say, holy cow, this looks a whole lot different. But again, with recruiting and development, two experienced coordinators, a schedule that looks okay, you know, a talent pool that looks a whole lot better than when the departures started happening, it looks a whole lot better right now. I'm still not going to just set off fireworks as Coach Sandbrock's going to take these parts and try to Sew them together. You've got new wide receivers coming in. You've got a quarterback that still needs to, I would say, refine who he is as a passer. We all know what he can do throwing the football. You've got injuries at the tight end position and departures, which make it look a whole lot different, but still a ton of talent there. That's the good thing. you got to replace your two offensive tackles. We'll start to see that process in the Sun Bowl. So Mike's got a lot of blending to do with this football team. And I can't wait to get to spring practice to see how it's all going to look, but there's a lot of moving parts right now. It's not just going to be snap your fingers. I think we all learned that I'm raising my hand as well. Last year was a learning experience for us in the media. You as fans that just because a guy like Sam Hartman put up these pinball type numbers at wake forest, you change systems. It's all going to work. Now, Personally, I think the offensive coordinator did not absolutely do his best to put Sam in the best position to succeed. Sam struggled at times as well. Didn't work out. 
So I think we all need to be just a little patient. Riley Leonard is not as, I would say, statistically far along as Sam Hartman was coming to Notre Dame. There's a big difference between the two. But this is a guy that has the it factor, can run it very well, physical, smart. You, If Coach Denbrock and Coach Caduli can refine his passing skills, then you have a lot to be excited about. But just the fact, and again, I know it's not officially a trade, but to go from a one-year coordinator in Parker to an experienced guy in Denbrock coming off a year in which he helped tutor a Heisman Trophy winner, that's very, very exciting. LSU offensively was a mess before Denbrock got there, and he truly turned around that LSU offense lickety split. Brian Kelly, his success at LSU, Mike Denbrock is a massive reason why. People might say, well, LSU lost three games with Mike Denbrock as offensive coordinator. Folks, go back and look at the games. The offense was not the problem in those losses. The defense was an absolute mess. And Mike and the offense had to outscore a lot of opponents this year. And you know what? They did it more times than not. But that defense, it was a rough year down in the bayou. So, Jared Parker off to Troy. And Marcus Freeman gets Mike Denbrock to be offensive coordinator. That transaction, I give it an A+++++. Another topic we want to get to here in the opening topics of Budweiser's weekday sports feed for this Tuesday. The tale of two quarterbacks. Seeing the news of Mike Denbrock coming to South Bend, I would love to know what Sam Hartman's thinking. Sam Hartman came to South Bend last year to get away from that slow mesh offense at Wake Forest, which doesn't excite NFL executives. A chance for Sam to come to South Bend, be in a pro-style offense, work with offensive coordinator Tommy Reese, and oh, by the way, win a whole bunch of football games and maybe make the playoffs. Well, before he could even put on his first couple of Notre Dame hats and T-shirts, Tommy Reese was out the door. He got a massive bag of money, like he was playing Monopoly Go or something. He went down to Nick Saban in Alabama, became, what, the highest-paid coordinator in the country. I mean, who could blame him? He left his alma mater, but you get to work with Nick, you get a whole bunch of money, you got five-star recruits everywhere, that's a pretty good place to go. And if you're thinking about future NFL coordinator, head coach at the collegiate level, working for Nick Saban is very, very handy on the resume. And that is not being disrespectful to the two words Notre Dame or the two words Marcus Freeman, but St. Nick is St. Nick. Just look at all the coaches who seem to go there after they get fired. It's like rehab. It's coaching rehab being with Nick Saban, and they go on to great things. Look at Lane Kiffin. He's doing great things at Ole Miss. He tore it up in the old transfer portal. So you can't blame Tommy Reese. But Sam Hartman came here to work with Tommy Reese. And I know Eric has talked about this on the program, his summertime talk with Sam. Eric referenced Hartman talking about 
I put all my belief in the head coach, Marcus Freeman, and the players in that locker room because the offensive coaching staff look a whole lot different from the one that Sam signed up for. And I think it's safe to say that the move did not turn out the way Sam was hoping, and I think to an extent the way Notre Dame expected it, the fan base expected it. What has he got to be thinking now? If Sam Hartman was in the portal right now, picking Notre Dame, he'd get to work with Mike Denbrock. But being in the process a year earlier, he got Jared Parker. Sam Hartman with Mike Denbrock would be fascinating to see how it would work out. So for Sam, I know he loved it here. I think we all appreciated how much he fell in love with Notre Dame. Was very humble here at Notre Dame. But you could just see on the field with his nonverbal at times, there was a lot of frustration. Year later, he'd be here with Mike Denbrock. Instead, the beneficiary is Riley Leonard. Apparently the guy that Notre Dame wanted all along. The guy atop their list. The Duke quarterback who got injured against Notre Dame, which really slowed his progress of his campaign. But before getting injured, those 88 rushing yards that Riley Leonard had against Notre Dame changed the complexion of that football game, and it almost led to Duke knocking off the Fighting Irish down in Durham. Had it not been for that 90-yard drive, the fourth in a million run by Sam Hartman, eventually... The Irish scored the go-ahead touchdown. Leonard got hurt. Hartman very respectively after the game waited for Leonard to come out of the medical tent to give him a hug and tell him a great game. Well, now Leonard comes to South Bend at a perfect time. A year earlier, he's with a different coaching staff. Now he gets an experienced guy that helped Jaden Daniels become a much better quarterback from the one that played three years at Arizona State. Now, Daniels had good numbers at Arizona State. They were good. You combine his three years at Arizona State, Daniels 65% completion percentage for a total of 2,380 yards, 10 passing touchdowns, 10 picks, 138 rushing yards for 710 yards and six touchdowns. Those were three years combined in Tempe. Daniels transferred to LSU. His first year at LSU was Mike Denbrock's first year as offensive coordinator for the Bayou Bengals. So Daniels' first year at LSU was his fourth year of college. His completion percentage went up to 68.6%, 2,913 yards, 17 touchdowns, only three picks. He ran it 186 times for 885 yards and 11 touchdowns. Second year for Daniels at LSU, working with Denbrock, ended up being a Heisman Trophy season. Completion percentage went up 4% to 72%. He threw for 3,800 yards, 40 touchdowns, 4 picks, 135 rushes for 1,134 yards and 10 rushing touchdowns. I am not going to sit here and tell you that's going to be 
the transformation of Riley Leonard from Duke to Mike Denbrock at Notre Dame. That would be absolutely and extremely unfair because the two players, to me, are different. Both are really, really good running the football. Daniels, quick, elusive. Leonard's got a little more power to his running style. But Leonard, his completion percentage at Duke, not what Daniels had at Arizona State. It's below that. You take a look at some of the numbers for Riley Leonard. 2022 at Duke, the numbers were very, very good. Now, I'm not being disrespectful to Leonard's talents. I'm just pointing out the schedule was a lot easier in 22 when they did not face Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, and Notre Dame. This was a much more manageable schedule and a big reason why Duke, under Mike Elko, won nine games in 2022. Leonard, against that schedule, 63% completion percentage for 2,967 yards, 20 touchdowns, six picks, 124 carries for 699 and 13 touchdowns. Awfully good. Now, beyond the tougher schedule, the injury also impacted Riley Leonard's 2023 campaign. His completion percentage dropped six percentage points to 57%. For 1,100 yards, three touchdowns, three picks, only ran it 58 times, but for 352 yards and four touchdowns. Against Florida State and Louisville, the injury was a factor, so I want to make sure I point that out. But against the tougher four teams on Duke's schedule, Florida State, Clemson, Notre Dame, Louisville, Leonard was 45 of 99. That's below 50%. 499 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. But he ran 37 times for 192 and a score, 88 of those yards against the Fighting Irish. And when Duke changed their offense and made it all about Leonard running the football, Duke retook control of the football game and had the lead up until that miraculous 90-plus-yard touchdown drive by the Fighting Irish. Riley Leonard is a quarterback that can help defeat something that Jared Parker and the Irish this year unfortunately could not against the better opponents. And that is extra hats in the box. Leonard's running ability is a good prescription for getting hats out of the box. You have to account for him. And if Leonard can become even more efficient and more consistent throwing the football then you've really, really got something. As we talked about before my vacation last week, he can make the throws, but some of them not consistently. And if you can become more consistent, then all of a sudden I am not going to sit here and say he's going to put up Jaden Daniel numbers. That is an unfair thing to do because Jaden Daniels won the Heisman Trophy and Riley Leonard does not have to win the Heisman Trophy for Notre Dame to get where they want to go in 2024. His running ability, coupled with improved throwing numbers and accuracy, 
with a new wide receiving core, and I think we still believe it's going to be still a pretty good running game, you got the chance for something special and an experienced and proven offensive coordinator to put it all together. So, yeah. Daniels from Arizona State to LSU to work with Denbrock. Massive improvement. And I think we should expect improvement from Riley Leonard from Duke to Notre Dame working with Coach Denbrock. Again, doesn't have to win the Heisman Trophy for Notre Dame to get to where they want to go next year. We need a healthy Riley Leonard with that powerful running game. I mean, the read option is going to be on this year. When you saw it in the past, Sam Hartman was handing it off or Jack Cohn was handing it off. Now, (laughs) you've got some decisions to make on defense when you've got Riley Leonard holding the ball in the belly of Jeremiah Love. Is he going to pull it or is he going to give it to Love? Either way, I like the looks of that. I really like the look of that. And then if you get the running game going with that read option and Riley can pull the ball out of Love's belly and then drop back and hit a play-action pass down the field, oh, it's on, friends. It is on, and hopefully Riley Leonard can show his old coach Mike Elko a thing or two and the Irish go down to Texas A&M to open up the 2024 campaign. All right, our third and final hat trick of opening topic for tonight. I just want to take a second and say thank you to all of you, whether you've been listening on 960 AM WSBT, on the streaming at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app on the Twitch app, which we've added within the last year. Last Monday was a very cool day for me. December 18th. 1998 was my first day at WSBT Radio. Came from Taylorville, Illinois, two years on the air, doing some sports, but doing farm reports and swap shop inside Christian County. That's That was my thing. But I came here on December 18th, 1998, And last Monday was my 25th anniversary here at WSBT Radio. I'm stunned (laughs) with that type of anniversary. 25 years in one place in this business is extremely special. And I've loved every minute of it. I'm just thinking today, we've gone from, during my time here, Davey to Willingham to Weiss to Kelly to Freeman. One national title game. And that was cool, spending a week down in Florida covering Notre Dame, Alabama. The game just didn't necessarily go the way we all wanted, but it was cool, and that six-and-a-half-hour pregame show was awesome to do. A couple of playoff bursts. But you know what? In 25 years, still waiting for that big, big postseason win. We haven't had it. Still waiting. A lot of wins, a lot of very nice wins in the regular season, but Bowl game, playoff game, 25 years, still kind of waiting for that. With my correlation with the Notre Dame hockey program, 14 years working with them, three Frozen Fours, a national title game, a game that we should have won. And so many friends I've made from the team through the years, it's just been awesome. I was thinking back, I got to interview on this show, the first person 
I ever had a football jersey of with his name and number on it. And as a kid, I had an orange Broncos number 53 jersey. And that was good old linebacker Randy Grandishar, who should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, All-American at Ohio State. He came to the College Football Hall of Fame, got to interview him, and that was one of the coolest things. I remember telling him, first jersey I ever had was you, and he was like in shock that that was the case. But thanks to the old J.C. Penney Christmas catalog, there was a Randy Gratishar jersey in there. Thank goodness I didn't get a Roger Staubach Dallas Cowboy 12 jersey. That would have been life-changing, leading to a miserable life after that. Because <laughs> they don't win Super Bowls in Dallas. They just get talked about a lot. Us Broncos, we've won three Super Bowls since they've won any. But anyway, that was really cool. Got to shake the hand and get autograph of my all-time favorite player, John Elway, when he went to the College Football Hall of Fame. I never imagined I would get to interview people while working here like the legendary Keith Jackson, Fumble, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees. They've been on the program. And now here we are with the way Notre Dame is recruiting and developing Again, teaming Golden and Denbrock. Maybe the best thing is yet to come in 2024. With a 12-team playoff, it's a whole lot easier to get to the dance. Still got to win games, but who knows? Maybe the best is yet to come. It is 552, so year number 26 is underway. We'll take a timeout when we come back. We'll get to our Twitter question of the day. I want to take a look at the Notre Dame depth charts for the Sun Bowl. Charles Jagasaw is now a guy starting for the Irish with opt-outs. That and more coming up. Another hour and eight minutes for Budweiser's weekday sports speed on this day after Christmas on your home of the Irish in the Sun Bowl, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Five fifty-seven at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Darren Pritchett back with you. Vacation time last week, so we go all the way back to a week ago Friday. Our last Twitter question of the day was this. Which of these Notre Dame transfer portal ads will turn out to be the most important? Now, I did not include quarterback Riley Leonard. He would have won the vote going away. So outside of Leonard, who did you feel like out of all the additions, would turn out to be the most important. I gave you four choices. Wide receiver, Bo Collins, out of Clemson. Florida International, wide receiver, Chris Mitchell. Duke, defensive end, R.J. Oban, or Arizona State defensive back, Jordan Clark. Well, the final voting went this way. Not a single person who voted went with Arizona State's Jordan Clark. It'll be interesting to see if he's going to be 
the Nickelback. I think there's going to be some really good competition there, and I'm not sure he's a lock. Third place in the voting, getting 11% of the vote, Clemson wide receiver Bo Collins. I'm really intrigued to see what they get out of Collins. As we discussed before vacation time last week, the storyline for Clemson was the wide receiving talent's gone down since their glory years of winning national titles or at least making the playoff every year. Well, Collins, highly thought of coming out of high school, camped at Notre Dame, did not have a major impact with Dabo's team. Now he's working for Marcus Freeman. How will things be different? Collins got 11% of the vote. Again, which of these Notre Dame transfer portal ads will turn out to be the most important? Riley Leonard was not a choice. Second place in the voting, getting 37% of the vote, Florida international wide receiver Chris Mitchell. A boatload of speed, a deep ball threat. First few years at FIU, didn't do a whole lot, then broke out with over 60 catches this year. I think a lot of Irish fans are hoping he is part of the solution to that lack of a deep threat on this Notre Dame football team. But he didn't win the vote. Getting a majority of the vote, 52%. A guy that Riley Leonard knows very well from Duke University. It's Blue Devil defensive end, R.J. Oban. I think this is a guy that can have a major impact on this football team. Getting after the quarterback. Let's hope that he has the type of success coming out of the portal that Javante John Baptiste had coming from Ohio State to Notre Dame. Baptiste, I'll tell you what, he turned out to be a big part of this defense, and I'm really happy to see he's playing in the Sun Bowl. He just wants to play again. You know what? Good for him. That's awesome. So the impact of R.J. Oban, you believe, is going to be big with this Fighting Irish football team next year. And I'm sure R.J. Oban is thrilled when he looks at the depth chart. Riley Mills and Howard Cross, interior defensive linemen, they're coming back for another go-around. Both could have left for the NFL. Both are coming back. That's an awfully good place to start building your defense. Those two pillars in the middle of that defensive line and a guy like R.J. Oban will only benefit from those two players. So that was the Twitter question of the day the last time we were on the air. You believe R.J. Oban, defensive end from Duke, will have the biggest impact of those four coming out of the portal. Now to today's question. It was posted earlier this afternoon. With the Irish offensive coordinator position shifting from Jared Parker to Mike Denbrock, your offensive expectations for the Irish in 2024 are? I'm offering you four choices. Choice number one, the offense will be better in 2024. Second choice, close to the same. Choice number three, not as good. So far, one person has voted for that. (laughs) It was not me. 
And your fourth choice, you know what? Let's wait and see. Almost 700 people have voted so far. And right now, the voting is not close. We'll let you vote. Jump aboard. Our Sports Beat Inside Indie Sports Twitter question of the day. You can find it on Twitter X. Just search for my account at 960SportsBeat. That's 960SportsBeat. And let me know. With the Irish offensive coordinator position shifting from Parker to Denbrock, your expectations for the Irish offense is will be better, close to the same, not as good, or wait and see. Results and a brand new question coming up on tomorrow's Budweiser's weekday sports beat. It is three minutes after six o'clock. Budweiser's weekday sports beat brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. The King of Beers. Happy holidays from United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. By Bethel University's Adult and Graduate Studies. Visit BethelUniversity.edu slash solid ground for details. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana. This holiday season, give the gift of hope to a hungry neighbor. Learn more at feedindiana.org. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. And South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for 75 years. Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Gives to Estime. He leaps at the one and goes over the strike. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Hartman keeps it, runs it up the middle, bulldozing to the end zone, and he's in. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Low snap, hands off inside to Estime. 10-5. He'll get there. Touchdown, Notre Dame. Fifteen minutes after six o'clock on this day after Christmas, Sports Radio 960, WSBT, live streaming at WSBTradio.com on our free WSBT radio app, video feed right now on the Twitch app. My name is Darren Pritchett. Thanks for joining me on this Tuesday evening, Friday, two o'clock, the Sun Bowl down in El Paso, Texas. The Fighting Irish taking on the Oregon State Beavers, two football teams that have a handful of really good players not playing in this game. Oregon State's top two quarterbacks not in action, including good old DJU for Sam Hartman, Audric Estime, Joe Alt, Blake Fisher, just to name a few. For the Irish, that will not suit up for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl down in El Paso. Great to have you on board. We were talking earlier in the program about new offensive coordinator Mike Denbrock taking over for Jared Parker, who is off to Troy to be their head coach, and Duke beat Troy in their bowl game just a few days ago. Well, I mentioned that Eric Hansen, my colleague from 
InsideIndieSports.com, the publisher, editor, writer, all-around great guy. He'll be on the program tomorrow and Thursday. He has a story that he posted on InsideIndieSports.com four days ago talking about Mike Denbrock coming back to South Bend. And I referenced, without giving facts, that Mike Denbrock is as good of an offensive coordinator statistically that Notre Dame has had in 20 years. So I went back to Eric's article, and he referenced an old story he had done and brought the information back, and I'm kind of curious to see where Jared Parker fell into this list after one year on the job. But Eric measured the frequency of offenses at Notre Dame exceeding the opposing defense's averages in scoring. So, for example, if a team averaged 20 points per game defensively and Denbrock's offense scored 21, they exceeded it. 19, they did not exceed it. And also, the second metric was yards allowed. Did the Irish go over the opponent's defensive yards allowed number in the game? And this is how we got an idea of how some of these coordinators stacked up. In two years as Irish offensive coordinator, and that would be in 15 and 16, Denbrock, in those two years, 89% of the time the Irish offense exceeded the opposing defense's scoring average. 77% of the time the Irish offense exceeded the opposing defense's yards allowed per game total. So keep those in mind, 89% scoring, 77% yards allowed. In comparison, Chip Long, who replaced Mike Denbrock, 74%, 71%. Brian Kelly was the offensive coordinator early on in his tenure. Remember when I said 89% of the time Denbrock's offenses exceeded the opposing defensive scoring average? It was only 61% for Kelly, and Denbrock, Going over that yards allowed total of the defense, 77% of the time, it was 67% for Kelly. Eric dug a little deeper. Charlie Weiss was 72% and 70%. And Eric backed up the numbers by saying this, that Denbrock did it against the toughest defenses. Comparatively, he faced top 43 defenses in 65% of the 26 games in which he called offensive plays for the Irish, and top 10 defenses 19% of the time. I think it is fair to say that Jared Parker did not face those type of numbers in 2023. So that's one way of comparing offensive coordinators at Notre Dame. And when you look at those two pieces of data, Mike Denbrock blew away the competition. So what has been the reaction of Irish fans to me on my Twitter X account. And this is based on the Twitter question of the day that we passed along just a little bit ago with Irish offensive coordinator going from Jared Parker to Mike Denbrock. Your expectations for next year is, and again, the four choices were, will be better, same, not as good, wait and see. Here is some of the written responses from some of my followers on X at 960 Sportsbeat. Irish fan 76 says, if it's not the final four of the playoffs, next year is a failure. Let's face facts. Next year's schedule is easy 
possibly easier than this year's. Okay? Well, let's go through the schedule. Let's remind folks what's coming up for the Irish in 2024. It all starts with an interesting road contest at Kyle Field, the 12th man, College Station, Texas, Saturday, August 31st. It is Notre Dame at Texas A&M. Again, Mike Elko, former Irish defensive coordinator. Irish faced him when he was the head coach at Duke last year, and the Duke defense really stymied the Irish offense. It'll be Notre Dame at A&M on August the 31st. This is where the schedule really lightens up for the Fighting Irish. You get by Texas A&M, you have a chance, keyword chance, to be undefeated going into the November 9th matchup here in South Bend against Florida State. After A&M, you've got a Mac school coming to town September 7th, the old Huskies from Northern Illinois University from the Sycamore DeKalb area. After that, boy, Purdue's lost some pretty good players to the portal. It's Notre Dame at Purdue on September the 14th. Former Irish offensive coordinator Chuck Martin's done an amazing job with the Miami, Ohio Redhawks. They're coming to South Bend September 21st. Can Louisville do it again? Jeff Rom's first year with the Cardinals, highly successful, including knocking off the Fighting Irish down in Louisville. Next week, they got upset by what turned out to be a 3-8 Pittsburgh football team. So a chance to get some redemption, Louisville at Notre Dame Stadium September 28th. Then an extremely winnable game coming off a bye at home against Stanford October 12th. Tricky, sneaky game October 19th. This is a neutral site game, but it's going to be down in Atlanta, Georgia at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, home of the SEC championship game in the Atlanta Falcons. It's Notre Dame taking on Georgia Tech October 19th. The Jackets had a pretty good year this year, 7-6 overall, 5-3 in the ACC. They beat North Carolina 46 to 42. They beat Miami 23-20. They lost to Ole Miss by 15, Louisville by 5, Clemson 42-21, and a very respectable performance at home against Georgia. The Bulldogs beat the Jackets 31-23 to wrap up the regular season. Then you've got Navy at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey October 26. So, between A&M and Florida State, all those games, the Irish are going to be favorites. And if all things go well, you run the table there. Then you've got Florida State coming to South Bend November 9th. The Seminoles, of course, one of the stories of college football this year, undefeated. Their quarterback goes down. They still win the ACC Conference Championship, get left out of the playoff. Virginia comes to South Bend on November the 16th. The Cavaliers this year went 3-9 overall, 2-6 in the ACC. And then I'm not sure what to expect from USC. That Lincoln-Riley program seems like it is teetering on disaster. Notre Dame at USC, Coliseum matchup on November the 30th. So Irish fan 76 pointed out the schedule could be easier than this year. You know what? That could be the case. At AM, you got to respect it. 
home against Louisville. Hey, Cardinals put it to the Irish last year. At Georgia Tech, neutral site, could be tricky. Florida State at home and at USC, those appear to be the stumbling blocks. Very winnable games against Northern Illinois at Purdue, Miami of Ohio, Stanford, Navy, and Virginia. So, yeah, there is a chance the schedule could lighten up, and with a 12-team playoff, you go 10-2, and two, you should make it. Hopefully the schedule does not work against the Fighting Irish if they are 10-2. and two. If they go 2-1 and one in those big games against USC, Florida State, and Texas A&M, you're probably going to be watching your name pop up in the bracket for the 12-team college football playoff. Brian wrote in and said expectations will be super high next year. There are a lot of new pieces to the puzzle next year without a warm-up game. Ceiling is higher next year. Floor is similar. And despite social media frustrations with Jared Parker, last year's offense was very good and puzzling for a couple of stretches. Brian, I appreciate your comment. You're right. Mentioned this earlier in the program. Mike Denbrock takes over the offense with a lot of new pieces that have to be blended together. And, yeah, another year in which there isn't that warm-up game. Navy was kind of a warm-up game for the Irish. At Ohio State the year before is not the way you want to start a year. No warm-up game there. At Texas A&M does not feel like a warm-up game, despite A&M being just kind of hit and miss the last couple of years. But Jimbo Fisher fired, got that big buyout. Now it's Mike Elko's job to turn around the Aggies. Brian went on to say the ceiling is higher next year. I would agree with that. And he mentioned Jared Parker. Last year's offense was very good and puzzling for a couple of stretches. It can just be simply put against teams whose defenses that weren't very good. The Irish were awesome against defenses. And someone wrote this. I should give them credit, but I can't remember who wrote it. But against defenses that had a pulse, Notre Dame had a very difficult time moving the ball consistently and putting up points, hence the 19 points per game, against the tougher competition. William had a couple of responses on my Twitter X account at 960 Sportsbeat. He said, third down percentage better improve, especially in meaningful situations. Let's see if the threat of the quarterback now running the football with Riley Leonard helps the Fighting Irish in that category. William went on to say, I haven't looked, but it feels like the defense is losing lots of experience. That will be very interesting to see. Well, on the other hand, William, let's look at it this way. It might be considered a surprise, but you get Riley Mills back at defensive tackle. And at the nose, you get Howard Cross back. That is a wonderful place to start in the middle of your defensive line. You got R.J. Oban coming in from Duke. Hopefully he's going to add another pass rush additive. In fact, a pass rush boost would be great. But you know what? Al Golden made it work this year without really a a great pass rush. He had to blitz a lot to get the job done, and it worked out pretty well in 2023. You know, you lose Maris Leofal. That is going to be a veteran player you got to replace. We'll see if J.D. Bertrand's going to come back. Doesn't feel like he's going to come back as he – Took one of those all-star game bowl opportunities, but will play in the Sun Bowl against Oregon State. You lose Cam Hart at corner. Obviously, that is 
a big, big loss. That Morrison-Hart combination was as good as you will find in college football. But I think Notre Dame feels really good about the field corner. Jaden Mickey, Christian Gray are two guys that are going to be battling out for that starting job next season. It will be interesting to see the safety position if Xavier Watts comes back, the Nagurski Award winner. That's a, a major, major bonus for this football team. So, yeah, there's no doubt there are some key losses coming on the defensive side of the football. But that linebacking core, we've been hearing about these young pups for some time. You're going to have a veteran guy in Jack Kaiser and maybe some younger guys now joining the fray starting at linebacker for this Fighting Irish football team. But, again, you cannot underestimate how important Mills and Cross can be for the defense in 2024. Those two guys coming back to lead the interior of the Fighting Irish defensive line. Hey, the thing about being a Notre Dame football fan, you're going to get great players here, and you're going to lose players sooner than you want. But that's the great thing, though, about Notre Dame recruiting. You've got guys with great talent being developed behind them. You'd love to have Cam Hart for 26 years. Not going to happen Looks like Notre Dame's going to be in pretty good shape at corner, even though Hart's going to the NFL. They feel really good about the development of Mickey and Gray. Daniel Joseph said the offense was better with Parker to begin with, but the expectation was higher, as will be the case once again. Yeah, all of us, me included. The way the offense came out, including some adjustments made in that North Carolina State game, Besides Audrick Estime eating a couple of hot dogs to spark his day, the offense made some adjustments, and they got rolling that day. The adjustments just were not as effective against teams like Ohio State and Duke and Louisville and Clemson, and that's why the whole year was perplexing and what we would have expected this year with Jared Parker coming back as offensive coordinator. Would we have seen the same splits against the weaker defenses and the better defenses? We'll never know. Maybe it would have gotten better, but now you've got an experienced, highly efficient offensive coordinator in Mike Denbrock who will try to take this offense to a different level. I will still argue that Tommy Reese had a more successful offensive coordinator season two years ago than what Parker had this year. Parker had Sam Hartman to work with. Tommy Reese had a combination of Tyler Buckner, Andrew Pine, both left looking for greener pastures, didn't work out at Alabama and Arizona State respectively, and now both are back in town. One is a lacrosse player and other is a student. So for Tommy Reese to help this offense and help this team get to nine wins with those two quarterbacks who are not right now power five starting quarterbacks, that's pretty doggone impressive. Tommy Reese got the most out of Drew Pine he could have. There were a lot of deficiencies to overcome. I thought Tommy got the most out of him. 13 yards against Navy, that's a different story. Don't know how that's possible. It happened. That's on that coordinator's watch. But Tommy still did a pretty good job with what he had to work with at quarterback. But as I always say, Tommy did it to himself because those are the guys that he recruited. I've said it a million times, I was – a bigger fan of Tommy Reese as a play caller than many Irish fans were. My problem was with this offensive quarterback recruiting. That set the offense back, and that made his job much more difficult. 
You look at J.J. McCarthy a little harder, maybe this whole story could have been a whole lot different. A guy that wanted to play for this Fighting Irish football team, but you know what? Working out for him, he's going back to the playoff as the starting quarterback for the Michigan Wolverines. 6.32 is our time. I'm Darren Pritchett. Budweiser's weekday sports beat rolls on. On your home of the Irish and the Sun Bowl, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Do you still have those Michigan tradition um, continues? Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Sports wagering segment coming up in just a few moments here on WSBT Radio. We have a short segment here. Let's spend a moment looking at the Irish depth chart for their matchup against Oregon State in the Sun Bowl Friday at 2 o'clock here on WSBT Radio. I will say this, the front of the defense looks very familiar for Irish fans. Jordan Patello at Viper end. On the other side, the field end is Javante Jean-Baptiste, the grad transfer from Ohio State, a terrific pickup by Coach Washington, Coach Golden, and Coach Freeman. And the two guys we documented earlier on the program that are coming back next year, Riley Mills at defensive tackle, Howard Cross, will be back on the nose. Now where we might to see, excuse me, where we might to see start to see some changes is in the linebacking core. And JD Bertrand looks like he's going to be ready to go. And he'll play the Mike linebacker spot backed up by the freshman Drake Bowen. And that's important because Jack Kaiser could have been the starting Mike linebacker had Bertrand opted out of this game but Kaiser we're going to assume is going to be the weak side linebacker in this particular contest which possibly opens the door for the dynamic sophomore and a guy that a lot of people want to see more of and Jalen Sneed getting his opportunity in this matchup against the Beavers. Now back in the secondary Benjamin Morrison the six-foot sophomore He's your guy at the boundary cornerback spot. Opposite of him, it will not be Cam Hart off to the NFL draft. As we documented earlier, Jaden Mickey and Christian Gray, a sophomore and a freshman. They're going to be battling in the spring and the fall for that field cornerback spot. I'm assuming both will see the field a lot in this matchup against Oregon State. A great opportunity to get them more experience on the field. D.J. Brown. And Xavier Watts, the Nagurski Award winner, ready to go at the safety spots. Now, Thomas Harper is going to opt out of this game, the nickelback for this Fighting Irish football team. So you would assume that Clarence Lewis, the senior, would get another opportunity to jump back into the starting lineup and take over that spot held by Harper, the transfer from Oklahoma State. So that's a look at least at the starters for the Fighting Irish, but you would have to imagine you're going to see some guys get more opportunities in this game. Junior Telemahaka at the Viper end spot. 
Bubakar Traore, who has shown up when given the opportunity. We'll probably see him a little bit more in this contest. Maybe Donovan Heinisch gets more opportunities in the interior of the Irish defensive line in this matchup. You know, you got a lot of young linebackers on this depth chart. Jaden Osbury, Drake Bowen, you know, Jalen Sneed, a sophomore. They're probably going to get some more opportunities. So it's good. It's going to be a game in which, yeah, the luster is off the game with all the great players opting out for both teams. Does it feel a little bit like a spring scrimmage? It does, honestly, but this is going to be fun to see some of these young pups that have been buried on the depth chart now get some opportunities to start to make their case for being an important part of the two deeps once we get into the spring, eventually the fall, and then August 31st at Texas A&M. So that's a quick little synopsis. On the Fighting Irish defense against Oregon State, again, the the Beavers are without their top two quarterbacks. They do have a quarterback starting that has some experience playing in the collegiate level, playing for Oregon State, so it's not like it's going to be a first-timer. And, of course, for Notre Dame, Steve Angeli, after being that mop-up guy, he will get his shot. As the starting quarterback for the Irish in the Sun Bowl, let's see how those offensive tackles hold up. That's going to be a major story in this ballgame. As you got Joe Alt and Blake Fisher opting out of this game. Charles Jagasaw, a 6'7", 330-pound freshman, likely getting the call at left tackle. Tosh Baker, Emil Wagner, probably they're going to share time at the right tackle spot. It's going to look a whole lot different without two reliable guys you know that can get the job done in Alton and Fisher. Now we'll see what these guys can do. We'll take a timeout. Sports wagering talk next, 645 at WSBT. Hey, everyone. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 